Welcome to the Bridge Builders Coalition podcast, a behind-the-scenes look at how we developed our program model for social isolation. We welcome your insights and your thoughts. You know, he can sit on his iPad listening to old-school Bollywood music for hours and he gets completely lost in it and he loves it I could not do that if you paid me maybe you could do it but like I would need to keep doing something else also and he just I mean he's smiling on his face like just you can see he's enjoying that um but again like it is that's he's not connecting with anybody right. when he's just doing that you know so my like in an instance like that I'd be like why don't you go to a concert with a friend you know, or something like you can then offer those suggestions after you have, after we have those conversations with our clients when we're like, list me, list five things that you like doing. And then let's slowly build and have a conversation on Mm -hmm. how can we get those things done? Is it a transportation issue? Is it, you know, is it a money issue? Is there a free event? Is there a, you know, can a young person join you? Can whatever. And then that's usually how we get some sort of shift in the way that our clients are thinking or feeling or whatever it is um that's been my but i mean that that is a process like that just never happens within that first hour that i meet them it is like you know a second third like peeling back the layers yeah when they and trust is a big thing you know like if they don't to everyone yeah are your clients and were you when you were um had the surgery open to having home visitors let me tell you what was one of the things that really my church decided for about 10 weeks of it or so to bring in meals. And then the people not only, they didn't just drop off the meal and run, they would come in and talk. And I really got to know some people in depth and some of their issues, but because I'm you know, I'm trained in counseling, so for years of training counseling. So, you know, I all of a sudden <laughs> flipped and, you know, they were telling me all their trials and tribulations. <laughs> oh, yeah. But that makes one feel valuable. Yes, absolutely. Because you're giving something. We all want to give something. And I think the problem that happens with people who get stuck in, you know, they can't get out, they can't give anymore. And they 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 feel humiliated by somebody taking care of them all the time. It takes away their humanity. So what we need to figure out is how to let people give. Mm -hmm. Even if they tell stories. One of the things I'm thinking of doing eventually when I retire, which I don't know when it will be, but you know, and I'm, I've got my application into Greenspring, and if I'm not working anymore, I want to just go around and get everybody's story. Sit down with people and get their life story. Just listen to their life story. So I have a job for you then. <laughs> so if you, I was going to say, so you ask, that's what I do. That's what I do is I go into people's homes and see them one-on-one and visit them, whether it's once a week or up to four times a week. So 
on physically going to them because they can't get out. Mm -hmm. Some of them are, they can go out, they just don't want to go out with their aid or they don't want to go out with other people. So if that's the goal, that we, yeah. that's, that's, my, that's my role, to get them out. So they enjoy that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So they welcome visitors? My clients do. I've got 14 clients I see on a weekly basis. Um, some of them, as I mentioned, 14, four times a week. So their apps, they, they, it's a big smile on their face, but it's all about the trust. You know, they mm -hmm. have to get to know you and then, mm -hmm. then they look forward to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You too, probably, right? Yeah. So maybe part of the program could be home visit. And you know, um, Alexandria has a fantastic, they're, they're oh, senior, senior, the senior service yeah, of Alexandria I, has the, the senior friendly visitor program. Yeah, or the yeah senior friendly visitor, visitor yeah. Yeah, and it's just actually through their nonprofit I know um, where they have people that volunteer. That. Yeah. Oh, I will, I will actually get, so we, we're always, here. we're always hiring caregivers. Um, and every now and then we will have um, older women who are just going to be like, can I volunteer? So it's not even so much because what we've seen with with our clients, it's and it's not just like oh anybody can come by and drop by. It's a lot of you know for for us when we when we partner a caregiver with a client, the hard skills that we provide as far as you know actual personal care, everyone's trained in right. So they know how to do all that, how to give a bath, how to assist with toileting. Right. The art and sort of the magic of it is the personality fit, right? Um, the interest, do they share that? Can they communicate on a level where it, the, you know, they're, they're both of the, both people are getting value, right? Yeah. Cause that's my, my goal is not only is my client getting value, but are my team members getting value? Um, because I don't want them just to look at it as a job. I mean, I know it's their job, but again, something more <coughs> should, should be there to draw you to that work. Um, and, that, and that's kind of why I wonder even just like pairing with like young people and, mm -hmm. and that when, when we do our quality of life plans with our client, we're really trying to draw out what their interests are or what they were. Um, so if I see a photo of somebody on a horse, you know, oh, do you love animals? Do you like horseback riding? Do you, it's just a conversation piece to keep going. Otherwise they'll quickly, they will quickly shut down and be like, oh, okay, I guess the aid's here, but we'll just, you know. Most of us who've been around a while love to talk about when we were younger. Yeah, but yeah, and it, you and probably noticed that with your clients too. Right? Yeah, I mean, and I don't mind. I mean, I, I enjoy those conversations. But I think one of the things that could be universal is the questions to ask, at least those starter questions mm. to get people yeah. to open yeah. up, um, and and not make it feel like I see you have a problem. <laughs> no, we don't want Let that. Me, let's talk about that. Um, no. But like how to. And I think that's kind of where there's a little bit more of the art. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, my first client interaction did not go very well. <laughs> um, but it's like over time you learn how to sort of gently talk about things or you, you, you truly observe the environment that they're in mm -hmm. so you can find points of connection. Yeah. Um, but that's, I think, you know, that is, that's, practice right I mean like oh yeah it's it's definitely I remember my first clients I had it just was it was not you know it was it, the interaction was great but I just kind of felt like I'm asking the right questions am I doing this but then you just get a flow so when you talk to other people it just flows better and mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you're interviewing them yeah. um, 
but yeah, the that's beginning what, is hard. Yeah, just because you don't know. Well, and especially because I work with those with dementia or cog mild cognitive impairment, you don't know their abilities quite yet either. To, either so I have to kind of figure that out while I'm talking with them. Because you don't want to set them up to fail. Yeah, either. exactly. I don't want to ask part. too many yeah. hard questions or yeah. questions where they're not really sure how they feel about Maybe it. Maybe open-ended question mm -hmm. is... Yeah. That's all I ask is open-ended. What would you like to share with me yeah. about yourself? Wow. Well, yeah. If somebody asked me that question, I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah, that's a hard well, question, too. Well, you can too. then say that, and then I would lead you. No, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't what would say you that. say? I wouldn't... I, um, one of the things that I say to people when I meet them sometimes, um, especially in coffee hour after church, I say, what's one great thing that happened to you this past week? What's something that made you happy this week? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, or, what are you looking forward to this week? You know? um, Do you think... Um, you know, Sometimes you say to people, you know, well, when you when you were younger, when you went on a vacation, did you ever have a vacation that you really liked? Mm -hmm. That really still you remember mm -hmm. and you can see? I mean, if somebody asked me where I was when Kennedy was killed, mm -hmm. I can tell you, I can see in my head exactly the type of day it was. It was a cloudy, misty day. Mm -hmm. I was standing between the chapel and another building on campus. Mm -hmm. I can tell you where I was when Martin Luther King was shot. I was in the commons at the seminary. Mm -hmm. I can tell you when I saw open, turned on the television and I saw that Bobby Kennedy mm -hmm. and the senator was standing here when he got shot, they said, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of those things, you know, that's what really get people going. Is. That's true. But then a, a question, and I asked this to a group of social workers when I was a, a case manager, because I was kind of disheartened by the conversation. We were in some workshop, and I forget yeah. exactly what it was. But they were talking about the toolbox, and everyone has their toolbox, and all of these things that they pull out to have these interactions with people. And I'm sitting there like, this is so incredibly stupid. Like, um, why can't you just be a human talking to a human? You know, we all have, I've had fantastic and life-changing conversations at a bus stop or sitting yeah, by someone yeah, in the yeah, metro yeah, yeah. because you just are open to someone else being in your presence. And so you don't have to overthink questions and all of these things. When we first met, it's like, oh, we just, you know, just well, in, you in an I, elevator. You and, and I, too, yeah. at that uh, meeting at, uh, oh, where was that again? Uh, um, at uh, Chesterbrook. Yeah, Chesterbrook. Yeah, we met that night. We yeah. talked on and on and on and on. True, but it's just, it's just being open to, and, you know, what God brings before you in whatever, whether that's human form or something else, just being open to that experience will instantly connect you on so And that's just my thinking, right? But so well, that's what one I, of the things that we have to think about is mm -hmm. when we, if we ever start a program of training people just to be open to look for something that really develop commonality. 
That is uh, important. If I meet somebody and they got a Green Bay Packer jacket on, yes. I can talk to them for two hours. I'm sure. <laughs> you know? Actually, yeah. Or if somebody's got a Nats jacket on. Nats. I, I, have a, well, I have a, a PowerPoint presentation that I do for actually some different home cares and for care managers on meaningful engagement. But mine's more, mine's, it can be, it could apply for somebody that doesn't have memory impairment, but mm -hmm. it's really for those that have memory impairment. Okay. What that meaningful engagement looks like and different things you can, ideas to use. So those but, things, wait, let me just, yeah. those things then, and, and I know we need to move ahead, but those things we need to incorporate into this. That can be part of a very basic kind of assessment that perhaps, and we'll talk about the gatekeepers, can infuse into their bigger picture, and that will alert us to this is a person who can then go into this network that we create. So those are important things to list as we build the um, program, a resource for us and an activity for us that we can utilize that and utilize, hopefully in part, your assessment and utilize your counseling skills and your counseling skills to come up with those basic questions that can cause some immediate sense of relation to somebody. So I'm sorry, go ahead. What I was just going to say, piggybacking on what you said, simplicity is the key mm -hmm. to reaching complexity. And what you're doing, your questions are very simple and basic. And I think we always tend to jump that step. That's where we make our biggest mistake. So, um, you know. very good point. Indeed. Anyway, I talked to you now. Yeah. <laughs> we all do. Um, okay. Gabe I haven't heard too much from Hmm? She's taking it in. <laughs> so, uh, gatekeepers. So, I uncovered this term, and it seems to perhaps mean different things um, throughout certain research, but for the most part, the gatekeepers are traditional referral agencies. So, the people who, like, um, let's say, a Department of Human Services or a home care agency or somebody who sees and has contact with individuals who may fall under the social isolation umbrella. So how do we, and this was mentioned very briefly uh, moments ago, then how do we influence the gatekeepers to see social isolation as an issue that they need to assess for? Like, because it's not currently, I think, or maybe on a very small scale, and I'm, uh, I can't think of the agency, Bread for the City, that has added social isolation questions onto their greater assessment. And this is an agency in D.C. And so they understand that this is an issue and they need to capture it. Or it's just like the hospital, VHC, and I'm sure I know the system does as well. They'll um, question people on whether or not they have suicidal thoughts. But it's so cold and detached. I went there mm -hmm. for my foot, and they were just asking me these questions. Like, if I really was suicidal, I wouldn't say it to you right here. Yeah. You're not even looking at me as you I ask the question. I think that's the dumbest question to ask. It's horrible. <laughs> but how do we then gently get the gatekeepers to include this as part of an assessment? And that includes us here sitting at the table because we have those touches, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and formalizing, excuse me, where we can capture those people and then help those people. So that's just something to kind of think about. And then think about the points of entry. One thing that the research revealed was that for people who are isolated, particularly older adults, most of them maintain consistent contact with their healthcare provider. Thank you for joining us for episode two of Where Do We Fit In? We'll see you next time for episode three.